Hi, everybody. This is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. One of my closest friends was an actress named Jane Chamberlain, born and raised in Austin, Texas. Whip smart and tough as nails, but when she sang to me, those sharp sides of her just softened, and out came the sweetest voice I've ever heard, gentle, unguarded, serene, totally different from the kind of person that she thought she ought to be to make it in New York City. She died in an accident a few years after she left Boston, just as she was beginning to get some notice off Broadway. I'm sorry for all the success she never got to enjoy, but I'm sorrier still for all the people who never got to hear her sing. As the years go by, that sound of her singing just gets stronger and stronger in my mind, and I really miss it. I don't know if she'd agree with me, but I think that tender side of her was her truest gift. In today's morning story, Deborah Henson Conant remembers a voice that's been singing in her mind all her life. We call her story, Who Will Sing for the Nightingale? Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird. If that mockingbird don't sing, Mama's gonna buy you a diamond ring. She loved having us as children. From the moment I can remember anything, singing was always how we communicated. To sing in a soft voice and really sing to one person. It's, it's like if you could put love in a pitcher and pour it. This was the place of peace. I've been working on the railroad all the live long day. I see her standing in the living room, singing to maybe four people as though she were on the stage of the Metropolitan. And they would just start crying. It's thrilling. My mother, one of the most incredible performers I've ever seen. I was talking to a friend of mine in North Carolina, and apparently she had come and sung at a church there, at a little church. And he said, she blew the roof off the church. People didn't know what to think. And he said, it changed my life. It broke my heart for years that she was never famous and that she always felt like a failure at at being discovered, at being the singer she should have been. I wrote a song called The Nightingale about hearing her sing. Who will sing for the nightingale when the night is gone, when the daylight comes? Who will sing for the nightingale when she sleeps alone in the sun? Who will sing? For the nightingale When the night is gone When the daylight comes She kept trying to take lessons to be better, to be right. That wasn't what it was about. It was about the way she sang, the way she looked at people, the incredible presence that she had when she walked into the room. I think of one event. I was about 12 or 13. I wanted to write musical theater. And I didn't know anything about staying in one key. And I remember her coming in one day and saying, What are you? A, A, B, A, A, B, A. I want to hear some song form. Quit moving around all over the place. And... 
she hit me. I, I, there was a lot of tension between all of us. I went through years when I just, my anger was overwhelming. Um, there was a lot of physical abuse. I remember the day that I must have been 13 or 14, and I thought, wait a minute, I'm just standing here and taking this. And I, and I hit her back. And she completely freaked out. What she said was, I, you know, how dare you? You hit me just the way my mother used to hit me. I saw the chain of violence come down through the family. And I just didn't want to go on with it. I left for good when I was 16. first time I went on stage I had no idea how to walk on stage how to put on makeup and so I I walked on stage as her and it took me years before I could let go of that and walk on stage as myself she died she died very early she was 54 near the end she was dying of cancer and she knew she was dying She was sitting in a chair, and my brother and I were sitting on the couch. We might have been singing together. And she was sitting there, and I looked at her, and I realized it was the first time I'd seen her at peace. One of the last times I saw her also. Now I'm trying to let myself sing more like her when she was just singing a lullaby to just let it be there. Stop singing it. Just sing it. Like a little girl. When she sleeps alone in the sun that was Deborah Henson Conant with today's morning story, Who Will Sing for the Nightingale. I'm here in the studio with uh, Gary Mott. Hi, Gary. Tony, were you ever hit as a child by your parents? No, I never was. What about you? No, but my father, while he never hit me, mm-hmm. hit things. Yeah. Specifically, I remember one time I was blow drying my hair. You must have been uh, how old? About uh, you know, fourteen. Probably it was probably nineteen eighty something. Uh-huh. I have these ears that I've always been kind of self conscious about. Kids would call me Mickey Mouse, yeah. Dumbo. So I would feather my hair back, and I would uh, uh, brush my hair over my ears, creating a little hair igloo, mm-hmm. little hairspray. So you did this a lot. I did this daily. Mm-hmm. You know, this is part of my daily preparation right. for school. Well, one day I was blow drying my hair, standing in the bathroom on a wet floor with bare feet. Mm. And my father had told me numerous times not to do that. The bathroom door is open. He walks by and slams his fist against the door. Slams his fist. Bang, just like that. Just, just like that. Wow. Then walks away. He nearly puts his fist through the door, burned into my memory. And what happened to you? 
I haven't done it since. That was the moment where you decided to change your behavior. Yes. That's very rare. What changed for you? I, I think just seeing my father be vulnerable. Seeing your father hurt. Seeing him hurt. Yeah. Um, that's what did it for me. That was the day you understood he was worried about yes. you. Yes. I felt for him. Yeah. Uh, if only Deborah's mother could have put her fist through the door instead of hitting her daughter. Yeah. Or opened her heart, you or know. Or opened her heart. In yeah. some way. Well, listen, I just want to catch up on a little email. Someone named Dawn, who has actually heard us first on the radio when she was coming hmm. through Boston. She said, I first heard your program this week when I was in Boston for a conference. It was the first thing I heard when I turned on WGBH. I heard Marsha Hulley's Goodbye to the God Show, which yeah. was, we had a couple of uh, episodes back, and was smitten. But I'm attracted to NPR podcasts that center around storytelling. So she found out about us that way, and she got our podcast. And she said, yesterday, I took the train from Boston to Albany and listened to your older podcasts along the way. Sometimes tears would be welling as I watched the beautiful countryside pass, and sometimes I'd be chuckling or speaking back to the storyteller, nodding in agreement and remembering my own stories that were similar. Thank you for making a memorable trip even more so. I look forward to future episodes. Well, thanks, Don, for writing. And we want to thank uh, two other people who uh, wrote to us about the radio shows that we had been putting on the last three podcasts, the half-hour radio shows. One of them said she really appreciated that she could hear the stories together. The other fellow <laughs> said, they almost put me to sleep at the wheel and I could have killed myself. <laughs> the, the title of his <laughs> message was way too long. Way too long. <laughs> any of you have any opinions in between these two uh, listeners, we'd be delighted to hear from you and we'll definitely pass your opinions on. Same old email address, morningstories at wgbh.org. Our website, wgbh.org slash morningstories, the complete Morning Stories archive. We'll be back with another podcast real soon. Take care. 